Now, this is the uh, sixth week <laughs> in the math, Mark 16, verses 17 and 18. I know you can probably all quote it by now because this is six weeks of hearing it. But we're, we've been taking every uh, individual section of this verse, and we've been talking about it. So, because I want to break it down, and I know it's been time-consuming, but if you know me very well, I'm good at stretching things out. <laughs> but hopefully they've been informative, and hopefully that you're, you're gleaning a little bit more out of these verses, and you're not so intimidated by them, because God didn't give us the scriptures to intimidate us. He gave us to convict us, but not condemn us. The devil uses scripture to condemn us. And these verses, if you feel condemned when we're reading it, that isn't from God. Now, if you're convicted that maybe you haven't been having, having enough confidence in, your, in God's power to work through you, then God's saying, hey, come to me. Come to me and pray and ask me, and I'll give you the confidence that you need. Because that's what God's will is for our life, because he gave us these verses so we can utilize them in our everyday life. And it says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay, the hands, lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, as I've said before, signs follow believers. Believers don't follow signs. The world follows the signs to the believers so they can find Christ, so they can believe. That's, that's why God, that's why Jesus told us to do these kind of things and to be able not to be afraid of it or be worried about it. And so, because our whole purpose in being is to share the good news of God. That's the whole reason we're here. And God has just given us ways and things that we can do to be able to draw people from the world to us. If the world isn't drawn to us through our lifestyle and the things that we do, how are they going to get saved? If the world looks at our lives and say, man, I don't want part of that. Man, you're miserable all the time. You have no, no smile on your face ever. All you do is gripe and complain and moan and groan. I don't want no part of that. If that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't want that. But God doesn't want that either. God doesn't like sour pusses for Christians. The song said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you don't have any joy in your heart, you don't have any strength. And God wants us to be strong. He wants us to have strength in him. And we get at that through the joy because that's our strength. That's our, our, uh, that's our fuel that we use to be able to go forward from day to day. If you don't have a happy day in your life, it's hard to face each day. If you have to look up, look up every morning and uh, look at all the negative things that's going to happen that day, there's no joy about facing the day. All you want to do is get through, the door, through that day and get home and sit up in your easy chair. But if you wake up and you have the joy of God in your, in your heart, you look forward to the day and you say, God, let me use this day for your glory. Give me an opportunity to be a testimony for you and for your kingdom. Give me something that I can do for you today. And I look forward to those opportunities. Then the whole day takes on a new light, a new meaning. If you get up and say, praise the Lord, it's morning, instead of, oh God, it's morning, makes a big difference in our attitude and in our heart. And God is all about attitude. People with a bad attitude can't get through a good day. But people with a good, day, a good attitude can get through a bad day. It's all in the attitude. Like I said, you know, God, as a pilot, I, as a pilot, I haven't flown for a long time, but as a pilot, I knew that you have to pull the yoke back and raise the nose of the plane and change the attitude of the plane if you want to climb higher. That's the reality of it. You're not going to be able to get, go get higher if your nose down. If you're walking around like this, you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to run into something probably. You're, 
because you aren't looking where you're going. You have to keep your eyes on the horizon. And you had to kind of keep your a little nose-up altitude to be able to, to see what's going on around you, to be able to monitor your instruments and those kind of things. So attitude is what keeps us high as Christians, and it also what keeps a, pie, a plane in the air. It stays in the air because it has a good attitude <laughs> to get off the ground. Without a good attitude, it'll crash at the end of the runway. So, and I was kind of, I know that, you know, I've been using this, this, this example about walking on the beach and leaving footprints. Well, I thought, you know, you might be getting tired of that, so I figured I'd better come up with a new one so you can kind of, you know, look at something a little differently. And I was thinking, I was reminded when we moved here from uh, Colorado, we, uh, we bought the property out there, and we got everything all set up and moved into our house, and uh, the yard, of course, didn't have no uh, gravel or anything on the ground, and we have two dogs, or had two dogs, and... Um, They'd go out and go to the bathroom, and when it rained, of course, you know, we all know what happens to this red dirt when, when it rains, don't we? <laughs> it isn't pretty. So the dogs would go out there, and then they would come back into the house, and I'm not kidding you, they'd, be run, they'd run all over the house, and you could see everywhere that they went because there'd be red paw prints all over the carpeting, all over the window seals, all over everything. Now, they weren't trying to leave those footprints all over the place. They were just coming in at a normal thing for them. They didn't understand what the big hoopla was all over it. And we got to where, you know, we'd try to catch them at the doggy door when they came in and start wiping their feet, trying to, <laughs> trying to keep them from marking up everything, and then let them down. You think you've got all the footprints off. You think you've got it all right off. And then there they go, and that, that didn't miss some. You missed some. <laughs> because you just can't get it all off. And that's kind of like what it's like as Christians. You know, God wants us to be like that. He wants us to be able to leave footprints and leave paw prints all over the country, all every place that we went, so people will know where we've been. I want to be able to leave something behind that people will know that I were here. I don't want to live this life and people and die and not have anything to show for this life. I want to be able to influence somebody's life. Hopefully it's for good, not like leaving bad footprints, because there, there's two kinds of footprints, isn't there, to leave? There's the good kind, and then there's the bad kind. God wants us to leave good footprints, not bad footprints. And the world, as bad as the world is, they try to quench us as Christians. They try to do everything they can against us. They try to wipe off our feet, don't they? They try to get us to try and quit doing these things in Jesus, quit preaching this stuff, quit doing this stuff. They keep trying to wipe off our feet so we don't leave any footprints. But you know what? It doesn't do any good because they can't get it all off. And no matter where we step, we're going to leave the blood-stained footprints of the cross every place we get and every place we go. That's God's will for our lives. And we don't have to try to do it. We don't have to go out of our way to do it. We don't have to go around painting our feet to leave footprints. We just automatically do it as Christians because we can't help ourselves. A dog can't help acting like a dog. No matter how much some of the habits that dogs have, Sniffing each other and all the things that they do, that is not the kind of behavior we like. But hey, they're acting like dogs. Well, God wants us to act like Christians. He wants us to do things instinctively without having to think about it, without having to wonder, let's see, what can I do? See, how can I make people think, no, think about it. We don't have to do that because when we're Christian and God lives within our hearts, we just do things instinctively. We don't have to think about it. I don't have to think about it. So, when we think about signs, that's kind of what, we, what God is talking about in this verse. Now, this section of the verse we're going to be dealing with today says, they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. 
Now, these are some interesting verses. Now, if you've studied the Bible at all, you know that there's a lot of different words for a lot of different things. Now, there's a, lot of, there's a different word for sick, and there's a different word for uh, lame, being lame, being crippled, having palsy, having a fever. There's all kinds of different words for the word that we kind of clump everything together into sick. But these verses, if we want to really understand these verses, we've got to understand what is it talking about here and break it down because we just can't uh, think, oh, this is sick, and then put whatever we want in these verses and say it's sick if it doesn't fit. So that's why it's good to study God's word and to break it down and say, what is this verse really saying to me? What is it talking about? How can I understand it? Now, there's only four verses in the, in the Bible that uses these particular word for sick. Just four. Because if you know in the Greek, there's, there's all kinds of Greek words for different things, just like our word love. There's all kinds of words for love in the Greek, but we only have one, love. I love you, I love my dog, I love my kids, I love the guy under the bridge. But we know in our minds that those words mean different things. I have a different love for my husband than I do for, my, for, for the neighbors. Hopefully we do anyway. God bless America. See, there's the problem. We got our word love all mixed up. And so that's the way Greek is. They have different words that mean different things. The word for uh, loving God is agape. God loves us with an agape love. We don't possess that agape love. We can only love through an agape love if God is loving through us. That's the only way we can do it. And we, there's eros and there's filio and, and all these other words for the same word love. Well, that same thing applies to sick. But there's only four words that has the same tenonation, uh, word that is used in this particular verse. One of them is in Matthew 14, 14. And it said, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Okay. Mark 6, 5 says, And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Mark 6, 13 says, And they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with olive oil. And 1 Corinthians 11, 29 and 30, which we use always at, at communion time, it says, For if you eat, eat, eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating the, and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have died. Those are the only four words. That same Greek word is used in all four of those things throughout all the Bible, besides the one, of course, in this uh, mark. They lay, on the, lay their hands on the sick. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Now we look at the word recover. There's only two places in the whole New Testament that this particular Greek word is used. And um, one of them, of course, is in this, in this connotation, and the other one is in 2 Timothy 2.26, and it says, And that they may recover themselves out of the snares of the devil, who are then taken captive by him at his will. Now, recover is a word called, in the phenomenation, or the two words together that make up recover, is echokalos. I'm not very good with, with Greek words, but that's okay. Doesn't matter. Give you the meaning. It says, to have well, to be well. And they shall, re translated, they shall recover. Now, the Greek literally says, now, if I, was to, if I was to read this in Greek, this is what it would say. Upon sick hands they shall lay, and well they shall be. Sounds a little bit like Yoda, doesn't it? Well they shall be. <laughs> so I thought that was, as soon as, as soon as I read that, I thought, man, that sounds just like Yoda. Okay. So it says, and well they shall be. Sounds pretty straightforward. They shall, is echo, and they will possess, uh, have, hold, keep, preserve, cling to. Recover is kolos, good 
goodly, correctly, rightly, commendably, beautifully, well, and recover. So now this word re- recover, it means, according to the dictionary, to get back something previously lost or its equivalent, to return to a previous state of health, prosperity, or equanity, quantity, whatever that is. To return to the com- composed state, to make good an error, I think I spelled it wrong, to compose, to make good or good an error, to return to a suitable or correct state of position, to exact something from sources, to reclaim substantial substances from waste or refuge, to be successful in a lawsuit. So to recover, if you recover something, you had to possess it in the first place. That makes sense? If I lost, which I've done on occasion, I've lost a diamond out of this ring a couple times in my life, and I lost it you know, at one place, and I thought, man, I was frantic. But so I, you know, I prayed and asked God to show me where it was at, and he did. But anyway, but after when I found it again, I recovered something that already belonged to me. It isn't something I didn't have before. I recovered something that I had lost that it was already brought back to me. You lose your dog, and it's lost. And you, someone brings it back to you, or you find it, then you've recovered your dog. So you had to have the possession to begin with. I can't recover a brand new 2010 Cadillac because I've never had one. So I can't recover something if I haven't had it to begin with. And that's kind of the the meaning of this word. We've had to have had something beforehand in order to recover it, recover our health. So evidently, we had to have health to begin with in order to recover it. Makes sense, doesn't it? We can't lump all of the verses into this one word. Because if, you've been, if you were born crippled, then you were never uncrippled, so you can't recover something you didn't have. That's, that's what, kind of what I'm, getting, what I'm kind of getting at here. Now, God performs miracles, and he does do those kind of things. He does heal the lame. He does open deaf ears and open blind eyes and all those other kind of things. But this isn't the verse that we use for those particular things. Because if we try to use this verse, we're using it in the, not in the way that it was written. And that's, that's why we need to study God's word because we, if we can claim a promise and we can claim a promise, but if we're claiming the wrong promise and it, we're trying to claim something that isn't what it says, then it isn't going to work. And if we're trying to claim something in the wrong way, then we get discouraged and we get upset and we give up and we do all these other kind of things. So God says, hey, that's why he says study to show yourself as food. Study my word. Find out what the word means and then use them. When these were originally written, there wasn't that confusion about them. We've had to translate it into our language, and sometimes when you translate something into a different language, we lose a little bit of the meaning. That's why we need to study, to find out what exactly it does say. And then we find it, then we start claiming something. We want to make sure that we're claiming the right verse for the right thing. Now, sickness or healing or recover doesn't mean it's going to be an instant healing. See, we have a tendency to think that uh, it can be. It can be. You can recover instantly because I've seen people recover instantly from things. But generally speaking, we understand the word recover. When we get sick, we go to the doctor. And we know that the doctor isn't going to give us some magic bullet that while we're there to be able to, before we leave his office, we're going to be well. We know going in, in order to recover from whatever it is, whether it's a sinus infection or, or what it might be, we know that there's no magic bullet there. There's going to be a time frame that's involved. So we go to the doctors, and he gives us a shot, or he gives us some pills, and we understand that it's going to take a week to 10 days before we're going to get over this. 
We don't have a problem with that because we know that the God, the doctor isn't a miracle working doctor. He just gives us the things and it's going to be a recovering process. It's not going to be instant, instantaneous. So we understand that. But then we come to God and he gives us this verse and he says, Hey, the sick shall recover when you lay your hands on them and pray for them. They shall recover. Then all of a sudden we throw it out the window and say, God, we want the instant result. We don't want the recovering part. We just want the instant healing. But we can't use this verse. Not when you when, recover an instant isn't in the same thing. They have instant rice, but have you ever, ever cooked instant rice? You boil the water. <laughs> takes two minutes to boil the water, three minutes. And then you put the rice in. And then it takes that for five minutes. <laughs> Is that instant? <laughs> no, it doesn't sound instant to me. It's a process that has to be followed. Well, it's the same thing that happens with God's word in this particular verse. We've got to allow God the same benefit that we allow the doctor. Now, if we go home and the next day we, feel we don't feel any better, we don't call the doctor and call him a quack and say, Man, why didn't you give me this stuff that works? It isn't working. Because we know it's a process. But see, then the doctor says, Now, if you're not better within a week, Come on back. And we don't have a problem with that either. Say, all right, man, I got a time frame. I got a week. In a week, I'm going to feel better. If not, I'm going back for some more pills. Well, why don't we allow God the same courtesy? If we come to God and, and we get prayed for and the recovery doesn't happen overnight, in a couple days we don't feel better, why not go back to the doctor and get another dose of prayer? It's okay. <laughs> See, we, we, we give the doctor more respect than we do God. And if he says recover, why don't we let him help us recover? Because that's what the scripture says. If we're using this verse. Now, there are other verses. If you can find another one that works better towards your situation, use that. But don't just blatantly start claiming it till you understand what the verse means. And seek it out and make sure you're claiming the right verse. Because I want to claim the right verse because then I can hold God accountable to it. God says if we pay our tithes and if we give our money to him, just test me and see. And then I will open the storehouses and pour out you out a blessing. So if we do these things over here, then we know that we can hold God accountable over here. If things aren't going right in our lives and we're faithful over here, then we can say, hey God, this is what it says. I expect this. And we can hold God to account. But we have to make sure that we're claiming the, claiming the right scripture in the right verse. <clears throat> and we really hate recovery when we're talking about God because we like having that time frame. You know, it'd be nice if we go in here and say, oh, so recover, recover, recover. Let's see, uh, blah, blah, blah. Let's see. Uh, this is the symptoms. I got a sinus infection. Let's see if I can go in here and find a sinus infection. Look for a sinus infection. Let's see, what would be sinus infection in Greek? <laughs> Let's see, okay, and then see if you can find the illness that you have and see how long it took them to heal. All right, God, here it was. They got healed in three days. I want to be healed in three days. We find that, that'd be great, but oftentimes it doesn't work like that because God wants us to strengthen our faith and our confidence in him to dar this time of recovery because sometimes the only time we come to God is when we're recovering from something. We get sick and God has to knock us on our back so we can look upward and we can talk to him and ask him for, to heal us and to give us strength. That's the only time God, we talk to God sometimes. So no wonder God takes a longer process to heal us. 
because he wants that time to be spent calling out to him, to be able to talk to us when we're not going to feel like talking back or we're not going to be able to come and talk to him and do all the talking. We pray and we talk to God, but we do all the talking, and God's sitting up there like he's taking notes, like you're going to a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I say, oh, thank you, God, my hour's up, or my ten minutes is up, my five minutes is up, see you later. And God's saying, oh, don't, don't you care what I have to say about this situation? And sometimes we leave before we have the answer. Sometimes maybe God would give us a recovery timetable if we'd wait there long enough to get the prescription. We just sit there and wait in the office to see a doctor for three hours. Because I'm sick, I gotta see this doctor. But we won't go into the presence of God and wait 10 minutes. And you can even, you know, God's even provided magazines. So the time don't seem so long. <laughs> Maybe you can find something out here while you're waiting that's gonna meet your need. Hey, read the magazines while you're waiting. <laughs> but the recovery doesn't tell us how long it's going to take, and we need to understand that going in. But the problem is, we as Christians, when we pray for things, we already have a plan B in mind, don't we? If God doesn't heal me by such and such time, then I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to the doctors. Now, I don't have anything against going to the doctors. I think God, doctors are God-given gifts to mankind. I don't have a problem with them. So, I, you know, I go to the doctors all the time. Not all the time anymore. I used to go to a lot, but it seemed like every time I turned around, I was going to the doctor or something. But we go to the doctors, and I don't have a problem with that. And I don't think it shows a lot of lack of faith. I think it's utilizing some of the blessings that God's given to us. Now, if you're suffering from something and the, God, God, the doctor gives you some medication to take, then take the medication. I'm not telling you that you come to God or come to the church and get prayed for and you go home and throw the medication away. I don't tell you to do that. I tell you, let the doctor tell you when to throw it away because I don't want us to just blatantly take things for granted, number one. Number two, that let the doctor see the results. Let go to the doctors. Find out what's wrong with you. And then when you get, you'll know how to pray. You got a side infection, sinus infection. Okay, Lord, heal me from this sinus infection. It's killing me. I hate it. It's hurting and all these other kind of things. So we know how to pray specific prayers. So that's a plus. Instead of general prayers, we have a specific thing to pray for. This is what's wrong with me, God. I want you to heal me. And then if you start feeling better, all right, fine. At least you know what it is. But if something a little more serious, then go back to the doctor and let him verify that God has healed you. Don't just blatantly throw, throw away medication, especially for your kids. I mean, it's really great that all these people have all this faith in that, but they're imposing that upon their kids. Let the doctor tell you to throw it away. Don't trust your faith on your kid's heart in life. God can heal, and I know he's healed. I've seen him inst instantly heal people. I've seen all kinds of things in my life, so I know he does heal. I don't have a problem with that, but I have, I have a problem with people that uh, have go to the doctors and, and what the doctor said, the doctor said, the doctor said, the doctor said. Just once, would it be nice to ask God what he has to say about it? Without a plan B? Sometimes we have too much more faith in the doctors than we do in God. And that's where the problem is. That I go to the doctors and, I, and I, I'm thankful for them and I've had, I've had one Christian doctor in my life that I'm aware of. Of course, if they're a Christian, usually, you can, usually you'll know because uh, it always seems to come up in uh, 
the situation. But I've had one, one doctor that was Christian. Fortunately, he's the one I had here, and he's the one that did most of my surgeries. So it's kind of nice to be able to talk to a doctor and know that, hey, before they start cutting you open or cutting on you, that they're going to talk to God about it. Say, God, guide my hand. So now we're, we're, him and I are both in agreement. Hey, guide his hand, God. <laughs> so I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that there are Christian doctors. And they're, they're uh, just as called to that profession as I am here or you and whatever it is that you're doing. We all have a purpose in God's plan. And it's nice. I'm glad. I said I'm thankful for doctors. So I don't want anybody to ever go out the store and say, oh, pastor said not to, not to go to doctors. I didn't say that at all. I'm thankful. I think we're blessed as Americans to be able to have all the medical knowledge that we have because all knowledge and all good things come from God. If they're a bad doctor, then they didn't come from God. <laughs> if you happen to get one of those, I've been to some bad doctors, and, and I, you know, I'll go to the vet before I'll go to them again. So I've been there. But they didn't come from God. Only the good things come from God. And if they're a good doctor and have good insight, hey, they come from God. And before you go to a doctor, ask God to give them knowledge and wisdom on knowing how to treat whatever it is that you're going through. Why not do that? Ask God to be able to utilize that gift that he's given to mankind. So it's kind of a great thing. Now, we get confused with this scripture with these ones that are in here. And these are the ones we always like to claim. And they're in 1 Corinthians, the uh, 12th chapter. If you want to turn there, we're going to read through about seven verses there. 1 Corinthians. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 12. And I know these are, these are familiar scriptures to you. And these are the ones that we always use when we're talking about healing. These are the ones we, we always go to. Because we think that these are the same thing, but they're not. They're different scriptures for different things that's going on in our life. Starting at verse 4. Now, I'm going to read these in context and read the whole thing instead of reading just the verses I want so you'll be able to kind of get the gist of it. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in, all, in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gifts of healings. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from God Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown tongue, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now it says the gifts of healing. Now every healing is a gift. Now actually it's a miracle we aren't sicker than we are because there's so much stuff out there that we could get just... If you, if you actually realize it and start looking at stuff under a microscope, you, these people like horror movies, that would be more horrible than any horror movie people could see. All that bacteria and all that stuff that's around there. So it's a miracle that we don't get any sicker than we do when we do get sick. But the gifts of healings. Now this is a gift. Now this verse doesn't say signs will follow the gift of healing. Gifts don't follow us. It didn't say gifts will follow us. It says signs will follow Christians. And there's a difference. And God, everybody doesn't have the gift, isn't gifted in this capacity. God gives the gifts of healing to the body of Christ. So there are gifts that, that God has to this congregation 
that has healing, words of knowledge, wisdom, all these things that are here in a body of believers, all these gifts are here. Whether we utilize those gifts, now that's another thing. If you have your, uh, at Christmas time, you're underneath your trees, all kinds of presents and all kinds of gifts and all wrapped with pretty paper. But if, unless you, if they need to just sit there and you can just sit there and admire them, say, oh, those are pretty packages. But God wants us to open the gifts. And every one of us has a gift under the tree, under God's tree. When you become a Christian, you have a gift. I don't know what it is. I don't pretend to know. We have some uh, courses that we used to teach about finding your niche or finding, trying to find out where your gifts were or where you were gifted at, and maybe we'll do that here in the near future to help a little bit. They're, they're only a guide. They're not set in stone. But generally, everything that I found from all the people who went through our classes, they're pretty accurate. So, but anyway, they're gifts. And we can ask God, and God says, search earnestly for the best gift. Well, which is the best gift? The one that's needed at the time. If I'm counseling someone about something going on in their life, I want the gift of wisdom. And I want the gift of knowledge. I want to be able to give godly advice, and I want to be able to give God's answer to that question. If I'm given in that kind of a situation, the gift of healing isn't going to do me any good, other than healing the relationships or healing those kind of things. But that's more of a recovery thing. Because if they had a good relationship before, they need a recovering situation in their lives. But so whatever the gift is that's needed at the time, that's the gift we need. And if you need a gift of healing and those healings that we're talking about, those are the things that aren't included in this verse that we're talking about. Those are the gifts that, that, uh, where the lame walk and the blind see and the deaf hear and the dumb speak. Those are gifts of healings because they never had anything to recover. They never spoke or they was always crippled. They were never able to walk. Those are require the gifts of healing. And I believe that in this congregation, I don't know who, I don't know how, maybe through, you know, through me because every one of them is an individual gift. I can't sit here you know, and, come and say, come on up here, everybody, you know, I'm going to pray for everybody and God's going to heal everybody because sometimes that doesn't happen. And I don't understand why. I don't understand it. There's so many things involved in, in uh, those kind of issues that I don't have time to get into it right now. Maybe I'll do a thing on that one week. But everything that God has, they're for us today. And there's some, in, in our body of believers, all these gifts, well, God wants to function. But see, the problem, we as Christians, we start run around and we chase gifts, don't we? We chase gifts all over the countryside. Because we want something from God. But God didn't tell us to chase gifts. He told us to seek him. And all these things will be added unto us. And if it's healing that we need, then that's what we need to seek God for. Because he said it's by his stripes we are healed. Or we were healed. So in God's eyes, we're already healed. It's in the past. But we have to be able to bring the past into the present. And to say it's for me. Because God isn't a respecter person. So if that's you this morning and you need a different kind of healing that isn't a recovering healing, then there's hope. And that hope is in God. <clears throat> and you know, I'm tired of people that say, you know, if you had enough faith, you wouldn't get sick. Or if you had enough faith, you'd be able to walk. If you had enough faith, you wouldn't be deaf. If you had enough faith, you could do this. I don't like that because that isn't what this, this book set talks about. I remember that someone was saying that, if you know who Johnny Erickson Atata is. If you don't, she's a lady that was um, 
was because of an accident she ended up paralyzed from the neck down and she's in a wheelchair and she has a fabulous mi ministry now. And somebody come up and told her one time, short, oh, I don't know how long after this incident happened, you know, if you'd had enough faith, you could get out of that wheelchair. Now, how would you like that? <laughs> See, and that's, you know, but we have Christians and we have people all over the world telling us that now. If you had enough faith, you wouldn't be out of a job. If you had enough faith, you'd have enough money. If you had enough faith, this and this and this and this. If you had enough faith, your kids wouldn't, would be serving God. But she had the right perspective. She said to him, she said, tell you what, why don't you pray, pray for me and we'll rely on your faith to heal me. <laughs> so that's the way you counteract those people. They say, if you have enough faith to do this and say, hey, you pray for me, let's use your faith. Because there's all kinds of things that happen. Because those kind of healings are gifts. Gifts of healing. And we ask God for the gifts. And let him give them. And give them out the way that he wants. Now if you ask Johnny Erickson Tata. Say if you could get out of that wheelchair today. And not reach people like you've been reaching them all these years. Would you do it? I can almost guarantee she would say no. I'd rather be in the wheelchair and reach people for Christ. Than be out of the wheelchair and not. But that wheelchair has become her means to be able to reach millions of people for Christ. And if my, whatever's going on in my life, if it's going to help me to, to uh, be a witness or a testimony to God, then I'll stay in this situation. I don't want to be delivered from it because I don't want to fall away if getting that is what happens. And only God knows that. So we don't have to know the why. We don't have to. We just have to know that God has the answer and he has a reason for everything that he does. And we have, that's where the faith comes in. We have to have the faith knowing that God is the one that's going to work it out in his own good time. And if you come and you get prayed for and you see these miracles, well, praise the Lord. We'll rejoice with you. But my question is, if it doesn't happen, are you still going to serve God? That's what's important. If you've got your mind made up, it doesn't matter what happens in your life. If I don't get what I want... And part of raising your kids is helping them to realize that we don't always get what we want. Sometimes we are told no. And God has his own reason if he does tell us no. But if we can go through this book and we can find a promise in here in relationship to our circumstances, then we can claim it and we can say, God, this is what your word says. And God will respond. God loves us to hold him account to his word. Because the more of this word we know, the healthier we're going to be. Because of the, Paul says, I desire that your, your soul pro, your, you be in health as your soul prospers. Well, if your soul isn't prospering, no wonder we're sick. If, God, if the healing power of God doesn't dwell in our heart and there's, through the Spirit of God, no wonder we're sick. Because the more of God that dwells within us, the less illness that we have. Because it's like armor against a lot of these things. And people are in panic. They're so worried about this swine flu. I'm not worried about it. If it happens, it happens. I'm not going to spend my nights trying to worry about trying to, am I going to catch it or not? Because like Job said in, in Job, he said, the thing I've worried about the most has come upon me. If you worry enough about getting something, guess what? You're going to get it because you've opened yourself up to that. Well, I'm not opening myself up to that. I'm not going to worry about it because it's in God's hand. I don't have to worry about it because his, his word says that, hey, everything's in his will. 
And I don't need to have the swine flu to know what it feels like. I've been sick a time or two in my life, and I know what it's like. I don't need that experience anymore. But if those things happen to us, then praise the Lord, we'll come pray for you, and you were well before, and God says you'll recover. So praise the Lord for that. So we just need to claim the right scripture for the right verse. Now, if you're a believer, Jesus said these signs will follow you. If you're a believer, that's the only requirement that has to have. He didn't promise the gifts of healing will follow you. He didn't promise that wisdom would follow you. He didn't promise good advice would follow you. But we have a better hope and an option of giving out good advice and leaving good signs to other people as far as those things are concerned if we're trusting in God. Because if you're talking to somebody and you say, God, give me the wisdom and knowledge to understand or what to say. Because I've done that a lot of times. And I'll be talking to somebody, and I'll, you know, in my, in my heart I'll say, Lord, give me wisdom. Because I don't know how to address the situation. I don't know what to say. I don't know how I'm going to give them any hope. And I just pray in my heart, and all of a sudden God drops something into my heart, and I can say it and say, praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Because it comes straight for him. That's what, and that was a gift of wisdom that God gave me for that circumstances. And God has all kinds of gifts up there in heaven for each one of us if we'll just ask him for it and we'll take possession of them and open them. God wants us to open those gifts in this congregation. That's part of where revival comes in. When revival comes in, man, we want those gifts. And we're just like a kid under the tree at Christmas time. Man, we're just tearing paper apart and we're just having a good old time. We're not like the one-year-old that just soon play on the paper. I don't want to be a Christian that plays with the paper. I want the gift that's inside. And that's why I'm stressing so much about revival in, in, in our church. is because I know what it can do for us individually and collectively. You can leave footprints in the sand only if you go to the beach. And you start walking in the sand. That's the only way you're going to leave signs. It's the only way anything's, we're going to leave anything. It's the only way we're going to make any difference in this world is if we get off, our, get off our laurels and start walking the beaches of this world and start allowing God, say, God, give me an opportunity to leave a sign today. Give me an opportunity to witness for you today. Give me an opportunity to pray for somebody today. And if people are sick, I guarantee they aren't going to have a problem asking you to pray for them. Or if they talk to you and say, you know, I've been sick and I haven't felt good for, you know, for, for a long time, you can say, hey, let me pray for you. And they just pray for them. It doesn't have to be some glorious King James version prayer because that's what keeps us from doing, doing these things is because we think we have to pray these elaborate prayers. Well, God didn't say that. He just said pray. And pray is help. That's prayer. When you need it, that's prayer because sometimes that's all you have time for. But it's okay if you're at work and somebody says, I'm, I'm sick and I don't feel good, just pray and say, hey, let, let me pray for you. And just say, Lord, take away the sickness, whatever it is, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you don't have to do that, practice. Practice at home on your dog. If not, come over and practice on my dog. She needs some help. <laughs> so come on and practice. So get up. Walk the beaches of this life. And start leaving signs. Only don't worry about the signs. Because Jesus said they will follow you. And then they will follow the signs to find Jesus so they can believe. That's what they're for. They're not just decorations that God decided to put there. He has a purpose, and everything that God does, there's a purpose. Let's pray. Precious Father, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word and for all that you've 
you've done for us, Lord. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you've given us the confidence, Lord. You've not only given us gifts, Lord, to the body of believers, Lord, but you've given us individual powers and authority, Lord, to walk these beaches of life, Lord, and to do things in your name. And these promises, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you hide in our hearts and help us, Lord, to not be fearful, Lord, to walk boldly, Lord, and kick the sand as we go and let people know that we're here and we're not going anywhere. And let the devils of hell tremble because we're no longer going to be satisfied with just everyday things and having to suffer through with everything that the devil does to our lives and messes up, messes up this world. I pray, Lord, that you give us the unction to function, Lord, and start claiming the authority and power we have in your name, Lord. And we thank you for that. Now, if you're here this morning and maybe you're saying, you know, I've been kind of 